Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to swing to the smooth rhythms and improvisational magic of jazz. In this episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're taking a journey through the captivating history of this genre that has defined generations. Jazz was the soundtrack of America for decades. Through Prohibition, Two World Wars, the Harlem Renaissance, and more. From the soulful trumpet of Louis Armstrong to the haunting vocals of Billie Holiday. From the trailblazing talents of Dizzy Gillespie to the cool sounds of Miles Davis. We're going to dive into the lives and legacies of some of these legendary artists, exploring how their music shaped the landscape of jazz and inspired countless generations of musicians who came after them. So join us as we immerse ourselves in the melodies, rhythms, and improvisational genius of jazz. Man, there goes Mac the Knife. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 65. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm so happy to be doing this podcast tonight with my good friend and my co-host, Mr. Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Are you jazzing? Yeah, baby. We've been talking this for a long time. I know, man. Like a year and a half. This has been on the list. I uh, God, I have such a huge love for jazz and always ready to turn people on to things. But I was thinking maybe we could do an introduction to jazz. You know, it's hard to break down jazz because there's like different styles of it. But maybe we could give someone who doesn't know anything about jazz an introduction to it through our show. Absolutely. Um, before we get into that, Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern and Boldfoot Socks. And we're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Yeah, dude, I know less about jazz than I thought I did. I know you've been talking about this one for a really long time. And I was like, oh, I took a class on it in college. And as I was doing the research, I was like, yeah, I don't know shit. I- Dude, I'm such a geek uh, about jazz. I have a good friend of mine that we, we talk about it daily. Um, I've been to Miles Davis's grave, you know, gave respect to the, the, you know, the king of jazz. If there was, it was Miles. Uh, we'll talk about him. He was an interesting guy. Yeah. All these guys are, and a female, I'm sorry, there's a female around, maybe two in there, I don't know. Um, all these, they, they push the sound to a limit, man. All these guys. Yeah, I yeah, I think the way we're going to tackle this is you told me to kind of like, hey, you you do some research on some of the people, and I'll talk about the music. <clears throat> I'm, and, yeah, uh, I'm going to bestly, as I bestly can. I'm I'm looking forward to learning some stuff because I um you know man I also I I struggle with getting into jazz sometimes like I uh I don't know I I don't how do I explain this I, I it's not like I don't like it but 
if you hear a jazz musician talk about jazz, like right. I was watching the Ken Burns documentary and like Wynton Marsalis was talking about it and he was so fired up and passionate about it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't get that feeling that he does like, and I do, I get that from rock and roll, but I don't get that right. from jazz. Well, you're just like a, a billion other people out there, Bruce, uh, that don't get it. I've been fortunate that I was exposed to it in high school. My band director broke it down for me and, and really got me interested. But there's so many different levels of jazz. It's like when jazz started, it was like dance music. And to where it came to in the 60s, it became something that you listen to. It, it was far between, you know, like like all that Benny Goodman stuff, all uh, the Duke Ellington stuff, all that was shit was made to dance to. It was. It's more. Um, I was trying to mentally. I was comparing this to the episode on the blues we did like two years ago or last year, and I was like, "This is." There's more like corners and pockets and different versions of jazz and than the blues. Yeah. This is this is a more complicated story, or it's a bigger story. Yeah, this is like in math. What's the biggest? you can level of math you can go right yeah something shit smarter than me yeah like i'm uh you know like we say we're posers you know it would be like if there was a i'm sure there's podcasts out there about jazz and if they decided they were going to do an episode on the history of rock and roll you know yeah. much like it's just uh there's just so much stuff and like you said i mean comparing Benny Goodman to Miles Davis to Louis Armstrong. And they're totally different. All three of them are. All yeah. three of them are. You know, just those three names right there are all different kinds of jazz. Yeah. You know, um, so we, you know, we put together an outline. We've got, we identified maybe like 10 to 12 different artists we want to talk to talk about. Yeah. This was one we definitely had to come up with a game plan of how we're going to tackle it. We're like, we can't just sit here and just, kind of freestyle we can't do free jazz on this yeah i mean yeah we we can't freestyle this episode so i know you got some information you know yeah it just depends on where are we going to start i mean there's so much i send you recordings of like original jazz recordings and stuff like that but let's let's get started whatever you, you want my man yeah, I so I got some notes on like the origins of jazz because I love to I you know, almost any one of these articles, these episodes we do. I love just diving into like where did it start and where did it come from? Because it's all I think music is just one big story and they're yes. trying to find those connections between everything. And I want to know. I don't know. I, I mean, I do know, but I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about it. Yeah. So again, I, this is my notes, like yet another awesome genre of music that came out of largely African-American community, black Americans are responsible for rock and roll, doo-wop, the blues, jazz, hip-hop, and probably all kinds of other things I'm missing. Their the cultural contribution to music cannot be overstated. For all the racist shit there is in the world, it's like black people invented almost every modern form of music. Every form of entertainment. You're right. I didn't even think of that. That like, you know, like the old vaudeville things and uh, all that kind of shit. And You're right. I mean, it was, I'm sure growing up in the great depression it was like you know starve or learn how to dance and yeah. sing or you know maybe play an instrument maybe that's a way because it was said 
you know, the, the uh, musicians were always treated very well, especially during like the uh, the Great Depression and yeah. all. Yeah, you that know. comes up a lot, right? Yeah, and like the twenties too. Like even um, like during Prohibition, black artists get treated totally differently. Yeah, <clears throat> and music also was such a huge part of like uh, you know the slave experience. We talked about this in the blues episode, like helping you. Fun, you know spirituals and yeah. all that other kind of stuff but a lot of what i read was that you know jazz largely comes out of new orleans definitely and, it, and new orleans is a you know a city you think about you know there was french people there and it was spanish and there were slaves and caribbean and just with it being a port and just how multicultural it was and an enormous port for sl for the slave trade every nationality that you just read off has their own form of jazz yeah and it's just wild and it all just kind of came together you know there was creole people <clears throat> and all this stuff and then but what you had also was there was like ragtime music beforehand yeah then, sure yeah that was kind of a precursor to jazz but then i was reading like after the war people after the civil war people had access to a lot of brass instruments because that's what the military used yeah. to keep time. So they had all this extra shit laying around and it just kind of wow. fell into like everyday music. And that's kind of like where the, uh, where it started. You know, we talk about um, like just how there was natural talent to to blacks you know like they they probably found all these instruments abandoned from after the civil war yeah and taught themselves how to play them but yeah you know to make a foundation i i read that it was like um a lot of guys were trying to play the blues on brass instruments and that also kind of helped where where it evolved. And there was a place in New Orleans called Congo Square. There was like a big gathering for slaves and free black people. And it was like a it, I think it was also a slave trade area, but it was just filled with music from all those people being there. And, you know, I guess it does have kind of a dark history if it does come out of the slave trade, but also so did the blues you know like right. the blues came out of the plantations as well now have you been to new orleans i have um okay i went there for work and i had a night free and i was with an, a colleague of mine and uh we went to preservation hall and digging it digging it, it and it was a i remember talking to the guy and i was like dude you don't listen to that you feel that like, yes and it was yes. real. I remember everything that's, I done and I just sat there and I was like, holy shit. That's the basic feel of what New Orleans jazz was and how jazz started. You know, it, it has New Orleans jazz has a sound to it like no other one, no other sound. There's a track on our playlist. It's like one of the earliest recordings of jazz on there. Yes, it is the, you know, let me get the sort this by artist it's by the uh i just saw it on here the uh library stable blues is by the original dixie jazz band it's yes. the 
first jazz record ever made and it was made in 1917 like the first recording so Unreal. yeah dude yeah let's let's check that out man we're gonna go all the way back to the beginning swing it baby it's a lot of jazz i have somewhere in my notes like i can't describe what it is but i know it when i hear it and that's yeah yeah, you can hear that and you're like that's new orleans jazz dude it sums it up right there if you've been there you 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 know what i'm talking about i love new orleans i i one time was in such a jazz feel i jumped on a plane and went to new orleans just to hear music like that like that kind of music you can't hear anywhere else but in new orleans and preservation hall is you know the place to see that it, it was awesome because there's no sign outside yeah you just there's, gotta gotta you gotta find it there's no bar yeah there's no bathroom there's no bathrooms right there's no seats yep it's just a room and and unamplified jazz new orleans jazz which is what we just heard yeah, you got to ask around where it is to find it's it. It's right yeah. next to Patty O'Brien's. Yes, yes. I was in They're there on too. the side street. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. what's great is, okay, they don't serve beverages in Preservation Hall, but you can bring right. a beverage in. So the guy from the, the uh, waiter from Patty O'Brien's will come out to the line for Preservation Hall. Yeah. And, and you know, serve. serve you. To, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was when I was there for work. I, we had a really long night, and uh, I think I slept for about an hour. I almost missed my uh, I, I almost missed my Uber to the airport. I, I got like an hour of sleep, and I landed and went right in the office the next day. And it was like right from the airport. It was. So a, that's it was how a New day. Orleans supposed to be. Right, New Orleans won Bruce zero. Yes, it, it was cool. It is it is defeated many Bruce. Don't be ashamed. Yeah, it was cool, man. I, my wife and I talked about going there for our honeymoon, but it you was. Should. We we decide we wound up going to Nashville instead, but oh, you know, right, we still right. we still want to get to New Orleans. You should go. You should yeah. like tell me in the warden to go with you. <laughs> uh, that, you know that would be waka waka. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Another dude that I just wanted to touch. We don't. I don't even have any of his music on here. Was Jelly Roll Morton? Oh, he, yeah, he's really you know, interesting dude, and he he was born in 1890 in New Orleans. So that's kind of where you know he's in this really early era. And really interesting dude, man, because he started as a um, as a piano player in like brothels for like hookers. And Jelly Roll is slang back then for a vagina. So Very that's why nice. he was in the he was in the in the whorehouse. Um, wow. And he worked as a, a comic, a pimp, a gambler. And uh, he was one of the first jazz musicians to actually like write down the shit that he was writing. And where I thought it got interesting was and the guy he also like if had you interviewed him he would always say i invented jazz jazz is i came up with it which is he was a piano player wasn't he? yeah yeah but he also was interviewed by remember we talked in the blues episode about that dude alan lomax who drove around in the 30s with a big recording device in his trunk yeah he interviewed jelly roll morton and jelly roll morton told him all these stories about like the origins of jazz in like you know the early 1900s so he was responsible for like having like because he knew all these guys from New Orleans. So yeah, 
thought it was pretty cool. And he uh, he he was actually stabbed and he died in uh, 1941. But it was just a I don't know when I was just putting together my notes. I'm like, oh, there's a pretty interesting dude. Like, no, I knew his name. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw. Yeah. I saw a guy in New Orleans playing like Jelly Roll. Like it was a style how that dude played. I, I seen other cats copy it, but it's a real original style of how playing. Yeah. Let me put something. Uh, let's I'll play something. Let me just find whatever his this is uh Dr. Jazz. I was digging that. Sorry. I'm ready to go to Bourbon Street right now. Right. Need a hurricane. Uh, Yeah, that's another thing in New Orleans, man. There's there's little like shacks facing the street. You can just buy a drink Uh, and just walk down the street and it's great. You can see see that turn into a tire fire pretty quickly. Yeah. If you haven't been to New Orleans, you should definitely go check it out. It's cool, man. It was uh it was definitely I was down there. It was shit. I guess it was around the holidays because everything was all decorated and stuff. It's probably December. It was uh it was cool. You don't have to go during Mardi Gras, dude. Every day's Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, people think, oh, you won't you go during Mardi Gras. So fuck that. You know, don't ever go during the summer, number one. Right. Thousand but, degrees. Yeah. But if you would go like around like, you know, December, January, February, March, it's actually really nice. Yeah. I've been down that, that time of year. But, um, I think to understand like jazz beginnings is you have to go to New Orleans. I think so too. You you have to, you have to breathe in all that culture to to come up with that sound. And as a city, it's still so multicultural and it does have that, uh, you know, you go get, uh, vignettes at uh, whatever the hell that place is that serves, yeah. you know, like the, fr- or, yeah. you know, the French Quarter and all yeah. that other kind of stuff. And, Garden District. Yeah. French Street. And you go yeah. into some of those places or you walk around and there are statues of jazz musicians everywhere. Sure. Like it was near Patty O'Brien's. There's like a statue of Louis Armstrong playing the playing the trumpet. There's a bunch of them different, different statues. Um, I was there that time when I jumped on a plane and I went to a museum and they had a preservation hall um, exhibit, which was cool. But then they also had Louis Armstrong's trumpet on display. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I'm sure he had many trumpets. Sure. But, you know, to see one of them was pretty rad. That's but awesome. You should have seen some of the instruments that they had from preservation hall from, you know, they would play, you know, Preservation Hall has always been open since my bar is older than Preservation Hall. You know, it's it's yeah. probably in its 55th year like we are. But the the original instruments that they used from these original cats that played there, they were beautiful. They were so vintage. Yeah, I think that's part of the instrument makes that sound. I agree. 
and I mean, and jazz too is interesting because there's so many different instruments that people play to play jazz, even in the, you know, in, in this thing, we've in the outline, we've got piano and bass and guitar and vocalists and trumpets and you know, just uh, and fucking right. All kinds of other shit. clocks, right? People just you know? pick it up and make music with it. That's jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So then I guess if you fast forward a little bit from the origins is much like in the blues episode, when we talked about people migrating out of the Delta to go find jobs, that's what people started moving out of New Orleans to go find jobs. And um, it really is like, you know, now you're you're moving ahead a little bit to like the 1920s. And then you know, people start going to other cities in Chicago and New York and all this other kind of stuff. And they all develop their own style of jazz. But then the big thing that happens in the twenties is prohibition and all the speakeasies open up and all these people are like, well, I want to go have a drink. This is the only time I'm getting out of the house. I want to see some entertainment too. So these places started hiring oh, sure. jazz bands and the, those like guys said, were working. They right, were working their asses off. And like you said at the beginning that jazz be, is the music to dance to of the day. Cause this is you know, your decades before rock and roll. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or even the thought of rock and roll. Right. Um, and this is really, and then, um, yeah, these, these places are almost, they're places where you can go to like, you're rebelling against a man. You're breaking the law because you're drinking. Yeah. You know, you're in an illegal place where you shouldn't be drinking. So it almost kind of, of course, like improvisation and shit like that is going to be down with it. Cause it's like just a big middle finger to the man. Like, yeah, we're not supposed to be doing any of this. And we are. Yeah. I mean, during prohibition, it, it was a dance thing. Sure. You know, um, it was a, the biggest form of entertainment there was like every, every jazz music, every musician was working. Then that would be, a, that was a great time to be, um, a musician especially during like prohibition nobody's making money and you know you're making money and on top of that you're respected in a way i don't know yeah and i mean we just i just jumped over the uh yeah you know, we just glanced over world war one we didn't even talk about that but that was also a part of it that you know this american soldiers oh, yeah. go overseas oh, yeah. and they bring jazz with them and and everything else but in the 20s you also had this um you, know, you think about how much the world has changed from the shit we were just talking about to now. Like, you know, people are in airplanes and there's, you know, uh, motorized vehicles and all kinds of other, like, you know, shit going on. Um, but I thought, it was, and it's really, I think, I put it in my notes, I think this is where like jazz became like an art instead of like something that you you did to kind of express yourself. Like it's a, it becomes an art form. And I think a big yeah. part of that was the Harlem Renaissance in the 20s where. Oh, yeah. You know, huge African-American community of like art and music and literature. And um, I don't know, like when I was in college, I mean, I, I have an English degree and reading some of the stuff that came out of this was some of my favorite stuff to read. I just thought it was I mean, really cool. Harlem was a, the birthplace of modern jazz, I guess you could say. Like, it's all other way of thinking to jazz it's like it turned into something that you listen to yeah then that's what i was trying to say too that it becomes an art form and i think you just actually said it better it's like i mean shit they call the 20s the jazz age and i think harlem has an enormous part of that because a lot of these guys that we're going to start talking about 
a lot of them like start there. I think. Yeah, I mean, all the original clubs were, you know, we're a suck. We're only talking about um, the East Coast guys mostly, right? You know, um, I think our idea of East Coast jazz is different than what West Coast was. Like West Coast jazz was like more like Muzak. You know, mm-hmm. like lounge, like cocktail lounge, yeah, kind of shit. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, well, like in clubs in Harlem, the, the a really big one was uh, the Cotton Club. Sure, the Cotton Club in in Harlem, and that really becomes like yeah, yeah that's like the spot in for celebrities, and you know, almost every major black artist play there. But it's so weird because black people still weren't allowed to go there as a patriot yeah. so you still got this racist shit going on yeah i but, know it was a white club i knew that yeah but the dude who was in the house band for several years was duke ellington and duke, duke. ellington you know uh they a couple things said he was the most recorded musician in american history he said he wrote over a thousand compositions and he might have written double that they're not sure oh he's probably one of the the most underrated American treasures that there ever was. Yeah. An enormously uh, prolific wrote so much stuff and played such a huge role in the the shaping of jazz. I, I find it interesting too, like in his career, like he's really big in this era and then he kind of falls out of favor when big band music starts. And then he has like a second, he like has a resurgence in like the sixties. I don't know, man. I thought it was cool. It was also, I like the comparison because he said he was like raised to have a lot of manners. Like his dad was a butler and sometimes oh, yeah, worked sure. in the White House and they called him the Duke because he dressed really well compared to like Jelly Roll Morton, whose nickname is after a vagina and played in a yeah. whorehouse. You have this yeah. dude who's like, his image is all around class. I thought it was yeah. just really, it's a really cool comparison. No, he was a real gentleman. I yeah, mean, I saw in that Ken Burns documentary that his father had class to him. Yeah. And he passed it on to his kid. And, you know, I'm sure his all his kids re- was raised with manners. I love that somebody asked him, like, why do you play the piano? And I, I wrote the quote down. He said, I like I like playing the piano because girls like piano players and I like girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, let's play something, man. You put the Jeeps blues on. Here oh yeah, dude. It's Ellington great. and Newport. Here you go. so awesome why did you break it off there shame Ah. on me because we can only play 30 seconds yeah well no and also shame on me because i didn't listen to this stuff with the headphones on like i am like fucking say every episode yeah and yeah we were just playing that and i just closed my eyes and was just listening to it you can i mean you can hear the guys in the background shouting like yeah Yeah. like get after you know like the musicians yelling at each other Um, there's a great story that went along that whole newport album is killer the newport jazz festival i believe that's from 
Yeah. Like Ellington that. at Newport, 1956. And he, it was like all the new cats were coming in and flexing their muscles. And he was like, no, motherfucker, we're going to come in. I'm going to flex my muscles. And he came out and he played this killer set. And it was like four encores. You know, they wouldn't let him get off the stage. And he showed all the young cats like how to do it. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Good stuff, man. The Duke. Duke. And, uh, you know, just keep on rolling because we could, you know, shit, you could do an hour show on any one of these guys. It's just, uh, you know, we're we're only scratching the surface. And I know we're not. This is, you know, an introduction to jazz. Right. The other one that came up kind of around this era that we have on here is this, uh, these, the jazz age of the twenties, of course, is Louis Armstrong. And to me, that's like, when I hear jazz, that's who I think of that, that voice. I agree. I mean, he was the original superstar of jazz. Yeah. No, there yeah. was no, I put in my notes that he's the uh, American Shakespeare of jazz. I don't know if I stole that from somebody or I don't, I don't know if I, I read that somewhere. You know, in, in the beginnings of his career, I'm sure after not that long, he was the biggest actor was in America. You I know? think so. He uh, toured the world. He's a gentleman. Like he's obviously not like the Duke came from like maybe a little bit of class, you know, Louis Armstrong came from the slums of New Orleans. Yeah. You've said this before, like his mom was a prostitute. Well, there was times that his mom had to prostitute herself out to, to feed the kids. Like you do whatever you can to feed your kids. You know, his father was like deadbeat. So Louie, growing up in New Orleans, got a job as a kid selling coal. And to, with this family, this family, I forget their name, but they were a Jewish immigrant family. And he worked for them. For, they delivered coal. And they gave Louie a tin horn to sit on top of the truck to blow to let everybody know they're coming down the street. So they said he picked it up and he just start singing out of it. Like they couldn't believe it, you know? So time goes on, you know, and um, he asked this family, the mother of this Jewish family treated Louie like her own kid. If if he could borrow the money to buy his first trumpet, you know, and it, it was destiny from people's kindness let this total icon live right he he wore a star of david his entire life because yeah. of that family and what they did to him and how indebted he was to them yeah which is just it's such a cool thing because it's like it's cross racial you know it's just a it's just about being kind and it's about music you know, that doesn't it doesn't effing matter that it's like Jewish people and black people. It's just about the music. And they said the, human that the, the mother of the family treated Louie like her own kid. Yeah. Made sure he went home every night fed, you know, and he but can you imagine like this black boy asking this white woman for money to go buy a, a trumpet? You know, it was like probably unheard of somebody to ask something such a thing you know but you know 
that destiny lines people up and sure and he also largely becomes responsible for kind of making the sat the solo like a thing in jazz yeah, music absolutely and, you know it's just what i thought was really cool as we're studying all these people or as i was reading about them was how many of them played with each other like duke ellington recorded with sinatra and louis armstrong recorded with like blues singers like ma rainey and stuff like that and some of these later guys like they you know they all recorded with each other it's like it's just all there's so much like overlap like generation to generation it's really cool let's hear something from them yeah man what do you want let's hear um west end blues he rips it up right away in there louis armstrong and his hot five from the essential louis armstrong here you go west end blues It's like some sitting in the backyard. You know, we talked about that before. Some of that, like uh, drinking a glass of lemonade, just chilling out music. He had so much power in his playing. There was times he was so out, out, uh, you know, overshadowing other instruments because he had such power. They would send him in the other room to to Hmm. break down his sound a little bit. Because he was so like powerful. Um, hmm. Louis Armstrong was, you know, and he he sang, and you know, uh, did you see the Ken Burns thing when they were talking about how he came up with scatting? Yeah, yeah, he's a large responsible, largely responsible for that. And I I think of his voice as much as I think of his trumpet playing, but because his voice is so unique. Yeah, I really love the story of the the scatting thing. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I don't have any notes on it, though. No, that's cool. I'll just talk about it real fast. Yeah, sure, please. On the song Heebie Jeebies, Louis Armstrong was playing, and he was looking at the sheet music. And to make his long story short, he's playing the song, and the sheet music falls on the ground. So he's like, all right, I don't know what to play on the instruments, so I'm going to start what he start. They call it scatting. Let's let's play a little bit of heebie jeebies in here. I love that. That is yeah. great, man. I, I didn't know that though. story either. That that's yeah. kind of where that came from. And, and the I mean, scat singing is a big part of jazz. You know, it's a big part of parts of jazz. But he uh, he he was like known. He was doing it already at concert, like uh, like just scatting a little bit. But this is like the first time putting it down on recordings and uh you know putting it on the map you know it's it's cool scat singing is cool because it's like um 
jazz is using the instruments instead of vocals, but then scatting is using your voice to sound like an instrument instead sure. of, you know, it's just uh it's cool how it kind of comes full circle. I dig it. Yeah. Louie was, you know, yeah, you know, in 1968, he put, he, in the middle of the world losing its mind, he releases It's a Wonderful World. You know, that's yeah. a whole other yeah. side of what Louis Armstrong was. I mean, if you never heard that song, shame on you. We have to play at least a little bit of it. Yeah, okay. man. Here we go. I don't think we've ever played three songs by an artist when we're uh, not well, doing a whole. This is Louis. This I, is I agree. Other than the you know the shows where we do about an audience, uh, an artist. Here you go. What a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day. Dark sacred night, and I think to myself, What a wonderful world! There's something interesting in that. Listening to it with headphones, like he's holding the notes a lot longer than you can hear it. It's like it it fades out, and he's like, What a wonderful world! It's, I don't know, man. I, I just I never it. experienced it. I yeah, dig it was it. Just something interesting going on there. Like he was holding the notes way longer than you could hear them, other than I have headphones on and I'm really paying attention to it. He was probably trying to capture a feeling. And I don't know. Uh, there's something magical about that song. Yeah, magic is a great way to set to describe it. It definitely invokes an emotion when you hear it. It do like i said i i believe it came out in 67 68 69 you know the world was losing its fucking mind i'm sorry our our, our little listeners out there um like the world was a chaos at that time you know mm-hmm. all these like um icons were being killed you know in front of billions of people the war was going on you know all those poor kids were dying in Vietnam, you know, and Louis Armstrong put that song out and it just kind of gave people hope. It gives, I listen to it. It gives me hope. Then the guy who wrote it said, I, you know, when I wrote it, I really wanted Louis Armstrong to sing it because he thought that Louis Armstrong would be able to um, perform it in a way that would bring people together. Like you said, in this, oh, yeah. you know, was what, what was going on in, in the late sixties in the world. Do Armstrong is the perfect person to sing this song. He he's he's every color. Louis Armstrong. I'm looking at some notes on it. I was like, it was in the Muppet Show in like '77, uh, early '78 when Rolf the dog sings it to a puppy. I saw that. Yeah. It is really emotional, man. Well, you know, we, it's sometimes special. We said, yeah, one day we said we we're going to do the show, the the music of the Muppet Show, and then yeah. of course, yeah, Joey Ramone covered it and all kinds of which others. is great. Yeah, great version. That's my karaoke song. Is it? Yeah, Joey Ramone version. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A wonderful world. All right. It's, it's a magical song. Louis Armstrong was a magical person in time. We could talk about him on and on and on, but we must move on, I'm sure. Yes. All right. So we're going to move on to the swing era. And we don't, I don't have a whole lot of notes on it because I think that it's still jazz, but it just, uh, it's so it's, different. 
it's danceable, like jitterbug danceable, like right. World War Two. Right, right. The Count Basie, Benny Goodman. The bands get really big. The music is not about the improv. It's all about being tight and coordinated yes. and doing everything yes. together. It sounds to like the name does big band because yeah. we have a big band. One person though that we did want to pull over and talk about quickly is Billy Holiday. You know, Billy yes. Holiday came up around this era and we haven't talked about any like vocalists yet, even though Louis Armstrong, you know, sang sometimes Billy holiday was a vocalist and she was a local yeah. local for us. She was a Philadelphia girl. Um, I thought that was interesting, dude. There was a, she was signed by John Hammond who also discovered Dylan and Springsteen. And so just oh, wow. again, like the overlap is just like, you know, Oh, the guy who discovered Bob Dylan also discovered Billy holiday kind of cool. Um, she was a badass too, man. There was like something in that Ken Burns documentary. That uh, she, they said that she like a man. She'll punch you out like a man. Yeah, she beat up you two know? people outside of a club that were were giving her lip, and she would she, play dice, mm -hmm. curse, and like you know. And she was a, she had a bad addiction problem. Yeah, yep, she did. But she could also, man, she could sing. Um, Let's play something by her. Yeah, you got uh, all of me on here, and you got Strange Fruit on here. Let's play. Let's play all of me. That's a fun song. All right, here you go. Good without you. Take my lips. I want to lose them. Take my arms. I'll never use them. Your goodbye left me with eyes that Man, she has such a cool voice. Ugh, no, it like, sounds so effortless when she's singing. We're talking about how she was rough around the edges. You know, she lived life, man. Like, you could hear that in her voice. You could hear that she was living life. Like, you could hear that in someone's voice and know, like, they have a certain pain inside of them. Yeah, but for as rough as she was, there's like a sophistication in her voice, you yes. know, it's just like, it yeah. sounds classy. And I know we're listening to shit from, you know, 80 years ago. So it's just like a different time, but it's a, there's just something else about her voice. I mean, I love, I, I like her. I like Ella Fitzgerald, like all, some of the, the yeah. female jazz singer. I know how all the shit we've taken for saying we don't like female musicians, though, the yeah, crumbs, but I know it's not, it's not true. Uh, Billy holiday, man, was just, she was fantastic. We have one more song in there by her. Yeah, sure. Let's play it. All right, cool. Strange Fruit. There is strange fruit, blood on the leaves, and blood at the root, black bodies swinging in the southern She had an attitude, you know, it was like, even it was like her in that song, at least she gave off about how tough she really was. Her voice sound like she was like tough. Yeah. There's like a haunting aspect to that song. The way it sounds, it was making me think of, uh, um, uh, 
shit, what's her name? Beth Gibbons from the band Portishead. Okay. It's just uh, that same kind of just, I don't know, like that noir, that dark. It had just like just a dark vibe to it. Yeah. Some of those early recordings, too, just the technology, because you hear like the scratchy record sound on it. Oh, it's just yeah. it's just very cool. Love it. I like all that stuff. It's very cool. All right. Let's keep on rolling, man. So now we're getting ready to the war is over. You know, and again, there's all the, the big band stuff we could have pulled it's over and talked about all tons day of, long. You know, uh, I said Benny Goodman and uh, Glenn Miller, Count Basie, you know, shit. We didn't cab Calloway, you know, I was. Yeah, but we only have so much time. To right. Talk about things, right. Man. We could do all these other guys. We're, you know, so before you write us and go, well, you didn't talk about so and so, you know, we acknowledge that they exist. We can only, you know, we, we didn't want to be here all night, but we just um, decided to talk about artists instead of like years of jazz. Yeah. Stuff. I mean, in, in any of the stuff, any of these guys you're talking, any of these artists we talk about, there's a whole bunch of people that are kind of like near them, like musically that you can go oh, yeah. spin into and check out. So, all right. Um, the post-war era is also known as bebop and uh, that's where jazz starts to get like pretty complicated that's a good way to put it bebop is complicated definitely yes and it's also like the um it's the reaction to swing music yes it's people hated bebop when it came out i could see like you know people wanting to dance and then hearing this you know kind of I don't know if people can know what bebop sounds like until we play something that's bebop ish. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, and it's hard to explain. And I think some of it is like uh, big band music gets real. I don't know, like commercial, maybe. Do you know who's this? I'm sure we'll get to him. But um, Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah, let's start with him. Yeah, he he's a he is bebop, you know, his music. It's like uh, it bebop jazz is like it sounds like the name. It just bops around everywhere. Maybe it sounds like confusing, but you know, a, a lot of it is improv. Yeah, there's a lot of solos. It comes out of like just um, jam sessions with musicians, sure. and sure. it's also bebop is also kind of known as like hot jazz. Cause it's just, uh, you know, it's jumping and it is a little bit oh, all yeah. over the place. And, um, yeah, Dizzy Gillespie, man, it was like reading about him. He's a dude I didn't know a lot about. Again, I know, I knew a couple of his songs. He was actually playing with Cab Calloway and Cab Calloway fired him because he was too doing too many, uh, yeah, like solos and spinning off. And he said, like, I put in my notes, he was the mad scientist of the trumpet. I think I, I stole that. Or uh-huh. I heard that from somewhere, but they said like, he would play things, like backwards he would take sheet music and play it in reverse because he just wanted to hear what it sounded like and uh just really really cool stuff man amazing musician let's play uh what you got on here anthropology take one from the greatest of dizzy gillespie yes
pretty what is that a xylophone yeah we're hearing? yeah it's pretty rocking jazz xylophone is rocking dude i mean i remember the squares would play the xylophone in in school yeah sure know? right that's why i asked uh, and it's, it's such a rocking instrument in jazz i mean i'm it was rocking for whatever we were using it for but you know it wasn't like the cool kid played the xylophone sure you know but dizzy you know that i think that was a great example of bebop jazz it's it's moving fast the beat is really fast and he said like and he also was one of those dudes that when he wasn't recording with his musicians he was jamming with them like he would yeah they, you know his band they would perform together and then they would hang out and they would jam it was like just music non-stop and he said he oh kind of yeah became, all those all those guys did that they played their gig and then they jump in the car taxi and head to somebody else's gig and sit in on somebody else's gig and then after hours to get some kind of after hour gig going on yep. you know only the cool kids show up you know yeah and he he wanted to start playing music or write music that like he said that like the old heads couldn't play like they physically couldn't play it or their brains couldn't understand oh, how, dude, how different it was i mean just shit compare that to some of the stuff we just you know the ella fitzgerald song like it's it's so different oh dude i mean bebop was hated he was hated by by the standard jazz folks but jazz was changing you know it, it was changing like how rock and roll changes it, it was changing to a thing that you listen to how can you not like want to sit down and listen to dizzy right there and you don't want to dance to it you i don't i i i want to like listen to that xylophone and hear it rock out you know like yeah, so let me sit still and hear it yeah you're right it's definitely not the music to dance to that what jazz's role was for you know the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and then this stuff is just so different it's really cool it's and it's just it's interesting because it is so different and you said like it, it people hated it when it came out i mean it's just every genre of music that comes out the 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 older people hate it you know people. it was great it was back in the day when you know the one thing that was great about the cosby show he would have all these old jazz musicians on his show i remember dizzy gillespie being on the cosby show you know and knowing it was him yeah he died in 93 so it was like you know, we were in high school when he yeah he passed away yeah he he was original man he was definitely original he was doing something different than everybody was doing at the time. Everybody started biting off of him. But, you know, there's a difference between the jazz that he was doing and the other jazz we're going to get into. Yeah. I, so we got a couple other. You got something else on Dizzy? Do you want to keep keep rocking and rolling? He has a tremendous, what they call that, like flavor saver, little fuzz. No, the little, yeah. Goatee. The little, the little like, goatee. Yeah, I, like yeah. I mean, that became like a big thing in the fifties, like the beatniks and all that other kind of shit. And that was also, yeah. I, I didn't think of that at the as I was listening to that, but it does have kind of like a, I don't know, like a beatnik fifties sure. kind of kind of vibe to it. Absolutely, I'm sure the bebop was big on with the um the beatniks. Yeah, and we got a couple other artists we want to talk about from this era. Uh, we got three other ones. The other one was was Charlie Parker, Bird, oh, Bird Parker. Man he is the fucking man dude he had a and he had a rough life man he just he's his worst enemy you want to talk about it someone that destroyed himself 
Yeah. Well, it is interesting because I guess, I don't know, you think of sex, drugs and rock and roll or, you know, and that's what but, he was. Right. Guys like in the punk scene or the metal scene or, you know, Ozzy or all these other guys that live really, really hard. And then you think of, I don't know, like you're just Joe Schmo and you think of jazz as being something more sophisticated. But some of these guys, man, were living really hard lives oh, um, yeah. in terms of just drinking and drugs and other things. And you have a term that you know, we should have mentioned this, too, um, that you call certain jazz musicians and that you call them motherfuckers. They are. And Bird is like the original motherfucker, you know? Yeah. It's just like, how can you not? Uh, we should play something first. Yeah. And then it's kind of like a. And then I'll say something. Let's yeah. play something from Charlie Parker. I have summertime on there. All right. I go. figure people know the song, but this is his, you know, version of it. Here you go. Let's hear it. Yeah, that's uh, Gershwin wrote that. Slick. That's all I have to say about that version of of what we just listened to. That shit was slick. Yeah, and of course that's a song that Janice covered it. Oh yeah, every made it famous. I put it on our playlist to play on the show because everybody knows it. But to to hear a version of Charlie Parker, you know. If you you know uh, how he changed jazz, but everybody thought he changed jazz because he was doing heroin. Yeah, I have in my notes that he redefined the jazz solo because it was based on chords and not the melody. And I think Wynton Marsalis said that in the Ken Burns documentary. There's no insight that I came up with. Just I I read it somewhere. I don't my notes some of his problem. He was in a car accident and then he developed some serious addiction issues. He tried to commit suicide a couple times. He was in oh, a mental he jumped out a fucking window. He was in a mental <laughs> institution because his daughter died when she was just three. Yeah. Um, yeah. They said he used to take uh he would stay up for days on end. Like he would mix uppers and coffee and would just be so wired he would stay up for days just playing music. So it's like the madman just uh chasing chasing whatever is in his head the sounds he was trying to come out clint eastwood made an awesome movie about charlie parker yeah you mentioned it's called bird and forrest whitaker plays charlie parker is a great movie it's really sad really really sad movie but um it it showed um what made this man great musician yeah it was and it wasn't the drugs you know people were like oh i want to play like bird i want to be just like bird everybody wanted to be like him they thought it was like the heroin that made his music to play like that you know i don't know that's what i gather from history there's got to be some degree of talent i mean like Without talent and just heroin, you're Sid Vicious, oh, right? No. You're like, no, you know, no, yeah. But I get it. Like, I know what you're saying. You're trying to like saying, unlock, saying, the, oh, unlock the it craziness. unlocks the next door. Yeah, you know, I get it. To, I understand. 
you know, like a heroin takes you to the next step. That's yeah. why so many people are so fucked up on it because it's probably fucking awesome. No, I mean, it it ruins people. It kills them. It's like that. It has to be good. So you take music and, you know, and you're putting this music out and like, oh, how'd you do that? I don't know, man. I'm just doing drugs and like that. Well, I want to sound like that. So I'm going to, a lot of musicians were doing that. And the story of music is just filled with, with dudes who fucked around with it, you know, fuck around and find out, right. Everybody from yeah you know, Janice to uh, these guys, the punk episode, you know, we talked about like Darby crash dying of it. The yeah. Dude from uh, sublime. That's so this, now. Yeah. So many. Yeah, that's and definitely it's, that's something it's that gets not it, a joke about. No, it's definitely somebody gets its hooks in you and it's just like it is bad news. Um, yeah. But that's how probably how awesome it probably is, man. Right. I'm that not giving I'm not glorifying it. Sure. I'm just saying that's how good it is. It ruins your goddamn life. Right. It's um it's definitely part of the story of music, you know, drugs yeah. and particularly that. All right. Keep on rolling. A couple other people in this, and maybe maybe we'll finish these two guys. Maybe it's a good spot to take a break. But the next one we had was uh, Thelonious Monk, amazing, amazing piano player. He, he was the second most recorded composer in jazz history after Duke Ellington. Oh wow! Yeah, I just thought that was interesting that he just never stopped, um, never stopped writing. He's another dude too that he had like some mental health issues. Like now, definitely looking back, he say it's easy to you know diagnose now, but they're like they think he was bipolar because he would have these. He was like a really quiet, kind of a weird dude. And no, he, like, he was so weird. He he dressed funny, yes, that, or like uniquely, and that kind of added to his aura. And he's got a a funky name. But he said he would just like he would be playing the piano on stage and he would just like stop for no reason. And he would just get up and like dance on stage a little yeah. bit and then sit back down and just start playing again. And it's like, yeah, it's like uh, he said he's maybe he's being eccentric, but then maybe there's also there's something else going on with him. I, I was calling when I was thinking about Monk this week. I was like, he's the ODB of jazz. <laughs> yeah you that's know, great like, it's a great yeah you know like odb did his own little thing to and Thelonious did his own or however you say his last name yeah. or his first name yeah Thelonious. Yeah. odb odb would be a felonious Philo- monk the felony <laughs> <laughs> let's play something by him yeah and that's yeah all right here i'll i'll continue my thought here's blue monk I was digging that because as it goes on, it starts to, um, I don't know. It starts to just kind of like a jazz song, like a, I don't know, standard it's following something. And then it, it starts to spin off and gets, you know, he, he 
wanders off the path a little bit and comes back and i'm not a musician so i'm having trouble explaining it but it, yeah. you know what i mean like he's improv a little bit and you can oh, yeah. the, um, like the the weirdness or the quirkiness in him, in him he follows the blueprint and then he goes off for a while and does his own little thing and he comes back to the blueprint yeah that's a great yeah. yeah they're like um i don't know it's like they're guardrails or you're following the road but you're swerving all over it as he's going interesting yeah. there's always like a home there's always like a home to yeah come to. yeah 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 that's a great point i don't know man i was so busy at work this week when we were doing all the research for this i was listening to everything while i was sitting at my desk so i was like i i didn't I should have paid attention to it more. I should have devoted what I was doing and just made that what I was doing at the time because I'm experiencing it differently as we're sitting here listening to it. Um, it's hard. It takes years and years and years to like, you know, I just start pointing shit out to you and you're like, you know, it takes years to find out all this shit. Yeah, I'm, I've, yeah, I've never, I've never disliked jazz. I've just never gotten into it, but it's also... I, I, it's almost like I don't have the time, you know, because it's like you could get no, but shit, it's, you could you could spend hours listening to the Thelonious Monk, but you definitely could. You, I can, you know, I have, yeah. you know, I listen to all these cats all well, the you, time, and you also have played in jazz bands before yes. too, so you have like a you have an understanding of it that I don't because I'm not a musician. Jazz is a language, just like a language. Not everyone speaks it. But once you start understanding it, it's like, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, everybody thinks jazz is like, oh, it's showing off. Like, oh, you're just showing off like when the people are doing solos and stuff like that. It's like, no, man, you know how hard it is to make that instrument sound like that. And they're and doing it. And like you said, there's a home that they're coming back to, right? Some of the, it's not there's always. There's always, um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Some I of guess. the, some of the, I don't know, some of the more modern shit just seems like it goes all over the place and doesn't yeah. have that home. This stuff definitely does. Yeah. There's always like that, um, chorus to go back to. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Cool. All right. And you got one other dude was kind of a late addition to our, um, our list. And that was Django Reinhardt. Django, the greatest guitar player who have ever lived. And I'm sure a lot of people have never even heard of him. Yeah, and that's where it's interesting because he is, we haven't talked about guitar players yet. Most of this is all you know, brass or piano or vocals. There's we haven't heard. I don't think we've heard a guitar yet. Yeah, guitar jazz. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So a lot of it's lame, but like you know, Django is a legendary guy, and he's interesting enough to talk about him on our show. Yeah, let's play the song. Uh, I'll see you in my dreams. And then I got some notes on a really, really interesting story. Oh, yeah. Right oh, yeah. Here. Yeah, I was digging that. You know how hard that is, dude. Particularly, uh, he, particularly with all the physical shit that he had going on yeah. too. Let's start. Django was a gypsy from France. Yes, 
he was a gypsy from France who used to also play the violin and the banjo. And he was also a gypsy around the, the war, which is those were the dude. That was a group of people that the Nazis murdered in very large quantities, very large numbers. Really? The gypsies? Yeah, it was like uh, I thought I, I, for, I forget. I, I, I should have written it down. How many how many of it? He was like, a, no, I believe of- it. I just never thought about it. I just never thought their their culture was that big that, you know, I, got, I guess I sit down and think about it now. Sure. Hitler would totally. I down. I, I saw it this morning, like how many tens of thousands of them or it might have been hundreds of thousands. And it's called the Romani Holocaust. And they said that uh, at least 150,000 or it could be as much as 600,000 people or even as high as 1.5 million gypsies were murdered. Uh, during the war they weren't allowed to live in cities in germany you know all the all the other uh, persecutive shit that those people that they did that the nazis did to homosexuals and jews and and everything else and but this is when django was a star though yes he was like the one of the biggest musicians in in the world during um, world war ii and yeah he as a gypsy, like he was uh, traveling with his wife in like a wagon is part of like the gypsy train. And he knocked over a candle and uh, they had all this like stuff in uh, the in the wagon to make like artificial flowers. And it just it, it went up in a like poof really quickly. And he got horribly burned. And they actually the doctors wanted to amputate his leg. And he said no. Um and he eventually learned how to walk again using a cane. But his also his ring finger and his little finger of his left hand were burned so badly he couldn't use them anymore. So he had to play guitar, play chords with only two fingers. So again, yeah. like he's playing all that kind of stuff, and he's he's phys- he has a disability. He plays he plays notes. He doesn't play yeah. chords. He plays notes. Yeah. Okay. You know? Like BB King. Yeah. Okay. You, you know. Um and. He couldn't play like the violin anymore or some of those other instruments. So he started playing guitar more. And uh, I thought it was interesting. Like he was, he was in France and he tried to escape because when France got occupied by the Nazis and he got caught and a German officer knew who he was and was a fan and was like, dude, I'll tell you, like, just go back to Paris and I'll pretend I never saw you kind of shit. Um, And I think he tried again and he got caught and got sent back to Paris. He's lucky they didn't just, you know, to shoot him because in addition to being a gypsy he's he's disabled he walks with a cane and you know those those are the people that they uh they just murdered right they just murdered oh my god what an awful time in history man yeah but he um yeah but he was like this playing at you know during all of this kind of stuff when the nazis are occupying paris and um he died he was young he was only like 43 when he died uh, yeah Okay. He died in 1953. Uh, yeah, I didn't he's, write down what he died of, but there's um a great movie. It's kind of fictional, but Sean Penn played in it. It's called Sweet and Lowdown, and it's that style of guitar playing. And he's basically J- Django's um rival. Hmm. You know, okay. Sean Penn's Django's rival. Yeah. Okay. And the whole the whole movie is based around that kind of music. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, he was a dude. I I knew the name. I don't think I ever heard anything of him before until you messaged me saying like, you know, we got to put him on the list and talk about him. Really interesting story. And then then I 
I looked him up and I was reading about him. I was like, wow, that's a really, really interesting story. So I mean, he's one, of, he's one of the only few guitar jazz things I'll accept. <laughs> yeah, you like know, you like, said, a lot of it sounds like cheesy and, and shitty. And yeah, he he a different error, you know. Yeah, that's I get it. I, the jazz band that I play with is close to Django's music. It's a it's really fun. Cool. It's really fun stuff. All right, man. So I think that brings us up to the modern age. Maybe it's a good spot. Why don't we take a break? And uh, play commercial and and you know refuel and all that other kind of stuff, and then we'll uh, we'll circle back. All right, everyone, stick around. We'll be back. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Chunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is proudly sponsored by Boldfoot Socks. They're an American company owned by an American military vet that makes 100% of their products in the United States from materials grown in the United States. And they donate 5% of their profits to veteran charities. The only way that could be more patriotic is if it had Hulk Hogan steam playing behind it. And on top of all that, they just make a great, fantastic, durable product. I was looking at Boldfoot Socks' social media page the other day, and they were talking about how many companies use labels that say, like, you know, designed in America or assembled in America. And a lot of times that's just marketing bullshit. At Boldfoot Socks, that's not the case. Everything is grown here and sewn here. So when you're done listening to us, go on over to Boldfoot.com and check them out. That's Boldfoot.com. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. 
Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, <laughs> oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business. And I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us. So now we're kind of up to like the modern jazz era, and that pretty much is like I don't know, man, late fifties up to yeah, up to now. Yeah, I you know I don't really pay attention to anything jazz past like early seventies, like you know, um, a little fusion jazz kind of died in my head. I don't know in the seventies. Yeah, know? it get it gets kind of lame parts of i mean some of it it just gets it just, know, like, just like they're just like part of the 70s there was a lot of lameness there of everything like steely dan and shit like that and yeah you know, ambrosia and yeah this music gets, gets kind of soft and there's some stuff i listen to now or some some more modern stuff but but like which, which is like kenny g modern yeah i probably you know um, uh Brickman, Eric Brickman. Yeah. Like Trombone Shorty is pretty cool. I like him. Trombone Shorty, he's not really a jazz guy, man. He's, I don't know. I've seen him in concert a couple times. He's more of a rock and roll thing than a jazz thing. Bella Fleck is like that too. I like Bella. I think you got yeah. Bella Fleck and then they're the awesome 90s, but it's like he, he's kind of like instrumental Dave Matthews band. You know, yeah. like it's just it's like it's similar, like that kind of bluegrassy jazzy kind of sound. Yeah, Bell Fleck is like electronic banjo. Yeah, bluegrass. Victor Wooten playing bass. Yeah, 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 yeah. Victor Wooten is cool. One of the greatest bass players around. Yeah, it's another guy that you I remember you getting me into a long time ago. But some of these other guys, all right. So the guys that we're talking about, they're like modern. You know, or there's still some important people as shitty as like Kenny G is. Yeah, like to start, like Charles Mingus. Uh, you know, another another really interesting eccentric dude. That was interesting. I was reading about like how bad of a temper he had. Okay, he was famous for getting in uh, getting in arguments with other musicians. Like, uh, or he would be playing on 
uh, stage. And if he didn't think the audience was paying attention to him enough, he would like stop and just start yelling. Like I'm working my ass off up here. And you're not paying attention. <laughs> but it was like, you know, for cell phones or like, shit. Imagine him now. No, oh God, he wouldn't even go on stage now. Right. There's, there was like stories about him getting into like fights with the musicians or screaming at him right oh, on stage. Yeah. Uh, I know the kind. But he's also a dude like he played with Louis Armstrong. He played with yeah. Charlie Parker. Played with all the greats. He's great. He was more of a, a ranger than anything else. I don't know what instrument he plays. I don't know too much about him. He was a pianist, a bass player, a band leader, and a composer. So, yeah, I, you know what? I just Googled that, and I see pictures of him standing with a giant upright bass. I've I've seen that before. Yeah, I'm looking at his, his repertoire now. What do we have on our... Bird Calls. Play that, man. The bass was going all over the place in that. It was like down in the mix. You couldn't, it wasn't real prevalent, but it was, it was really going everywhere. I'm not sure what the album is called, but the album that Bird Calls is on is a very well-respected album in the jazz world. I believe it's one of the albums that Congress put aside in, in, in their, uh, how they add things like the library of congress yes this is one album that they they selected uh the mingus dynasty yeah i mean it was it was huge from what i read yeah he's a, just a dude i don't know i know the name but i don't know a lot of his music but like, like again like he was more of an arranger than a player he played it don't get me wrong but he arranged what everybody else was playing not that any of these cats didn't do that like for other players but um so you said he was an arranger i thought you meant i thought you said he was a ranger like he ranged ranger i just that's as much as i know about him but i know he's a, a big swinger in the jazz world his his music was different you know it was more of a bebop than a swing thing you know Right, but we haven't we haven't heard any of these modern guys with like arranging a band like that, like that bigger sound with a lot of shit going on and stuff like that. Let's continue. All right. Probably motherfucker number one in the jazz world. That was rock star as much as a jazz musician, Miles Davis. Uh he is a motherfucker. I'm sorry our little listeners out there, but man, that guy could play. He Nobody was a bigger icon than Miles Davis, you know, and he knew it, man. He was one arrogant dude. Yeah. His ego, as I said, he's, he, he carried himself like a rock star and he, he's actually in the rock and roll hall of fame as a performer too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was times like fans would walk up to him for autograph and he'd be like, this is my imitation of, of miles. Get the fuck out of here. Motherfucker. <laughs> Me and my uh, buddy always we that's our imitating Miles because Miles he had something Davis. wrong with his throat. Yeah, and he talked with like a like a graspy kind of throat like this. He yeah. would talk like this all the time. 
Let's play a little Miles. I, I dig that. That's just cool stuff, man. That's bar in New York City. Sitting there, I see a, a jazz club with like smoke rising off of these players, man. And you know, it's it's just like jazz just turned into something cool instead of something danceable or something bounceable. It it turned into just something cool, man. It just walks, talks, breathes. Cool. I totally agree. Miles Davis was famous too because he liked um, using instruments that normally weren't in jazz. Like I, I put on here, like he would put the tuba in some of his stuff or a French horn or just instruments you wouldn't normally associate with it. And he also, a lot of the traditional jazz people didn't like him because he created this more like modern sound. He also had addiction problem. And you said he was kind of kind of a dick and uh oh yeah he was a huge rock star i don't know if he like bitches brew it's like the album that everybody talks about you know it it is a good album it's the birth of fusion it's a great album but it's not my favorite miles album i kind of blue went platinum it's kind of blue is is great miles ahead is a great fucking album it he's done like every kind of music there is there was rock and roll in his towards the end, you know, funk he was playing, you know, and, and even the way that he was dressing was different. And, and, and he was like rock starring it out. Like he looked like something like Michael Jackson would wear prior some like jazz guy would, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I do. It could be. And as you were saying that I images in my head of him, you know, like wearing the big sunglasses while he's playing the, the trumpet. Didn't he used to like he would turn away from the audience sometimes too yes. and play with his back to them? He would he style of he would play is he would play to the floor for some reason. Like his control, like it was like he, I don't know if it was him being rude or it was just him is how he played. Hmm. It's like how he controlled his his breathing. Yeah, it's how he scrunched over like that. How he was. All right, we got a couple. We got three guys left. Uh, Coltrane. We didn't talk about Coltrane, who was also like in his band, right? Don Coltrane started with Miles Davis. Sure. Yeah, it was part of his crew. He uh, start. He cut it. He. How can you say he's made his bones with with Miles Davis? Yeah. They say John Coltrane's from Philadelphia. The house that he lived in in West Philly has one of those blue historical signs outside of it. Oh, and, I didn't. And, I didn't know he was from Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, he he spent more time in Philadelphia than anywhere else. I always wanted to go to his to that blue sign in West Philadelphia and give my respects to the uh, John Coltrane, but that's the only thing that they have John Coltrane. There's like no grave or anything like that. He he was another guy that destroyed destroyed himself. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. There's not much to tell us except that he could fucking play and he was just a junkie. I think his music is his story. 
I'm a huge fan of his record, Love Supreme. There's a big cult following of it. For its time, it was it was like kind of different than what anybody else was doing. But let's play Love Supreme number two. Number two. All right. I do remember as we're getting ready to do this, you sent me, you're like, you got to go listen to fucking both of these and listen yeah, to them back well, to back. One, two, three, and four, Love Supreme. Okay. Um, the second one, I just think it gets to the point faster. Okay. Of John's Coltrane's playing. He's a, he's another guy that you would say like bebop. But, you know, he's his own thing. Okay, here you go. There's a lot going on there. Oh, he's great. He's so awesome. I can hear why people won't like it. it it's you know? a little it's a little too busy for me. And it's like, uh, I don't know, it's going away from home base a little a little too much for yeah, me. Yeah, he definitely running the bases. <laughs> he's yeah. he's uh, he's another guy that's chasing the high of drugs. Uh, you know, he's he's another guy that really turned to heroin as an answer to his music. You know, he's doing what Charlie Parker was doing. You know, he was like, I gotta be great. Like Charlie Parker. So I have to do heroin too. But his music was just like unbelievable. Yeah. It's a, it's a choir taste. I must say. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's something that um I, I listened to miles Davis. I, I owned a couple miles Davis CDs when I was in school when I was in college and uh, I think I tried getting into Coltrane and I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. It's, unlock it's un- it. but it's like, it's like Picasso, you know, I don't understand Picasso. You know, I under, I understand where Coltrane's coming from. Okay. I, I'll to give it another shot again, man. I, you know, shame on me not listening to it with the headphones on and everything else. I mean, love Supreme is a great album. You really have to sit down and listen to it and appreciate all the different instruments that are playing because it's just not the saxophone. It's everything that's going on. His arrangement, you know. I'll check it out, man. It's it's only it's only four four cuts, the album. Yeah, it's 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 I think it's a forty-five minutes altogether. All right, we got two artists left. Uh the first one is let's talk about Ron Carter, the bass player. Ron Carter, man, this guy played with everybody. He's he's one of my favorite bass players of all time. And he's he's not a local legend, but he's played with all the best. Yeah, he was a dude when you said we had to talk about him. I looked him up and I'm like, I, I don't you know. Even if I didn't listen to any of these artists, I knew who they were. I knew the names. He was one I, I wasn't familiar with. And um you know, I, so I was doing a little bit of reading about him today. And he's like you said, I saw that he played with with Miles and several other people. And he he played the cello. He played the upright bass. No, it just like I said, Bruce, it's my show. And I want to met, I want to mention him. So we, we mentioned him. I'm his friend on Facebook. And uh, 
he's quite a gentleman and enough people don't know who he is. I mean, the right people know who he is. Right. Okay. But I wanted to give him his five seconds on our show. Well, I dig it, man. I like, I like uh, shining light on some people that some artists that maybe not everybody knows. So um, I don't know if we had a cut by him on the playlist, but I can certainly, I'm going to pull up his discography. Is there something you want to hear? Or do you want me to just grab something? Uh, anything, just grab anything. Cause, cause he, it's all stand up bass. Okay. That's Ron Carter's instrument was stand up bass. And he, he's a hell of, me, of a bass player. Okay, cool. Here's a song called Light Blue. Yeah, Mr. Carter, man, he he really gives the atmosphere of the song like a steady ladder for that piano to fucking do its thing, a steady ground. He's just he's 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 great. I mean, I I just know all the music that he's done and there's not enough time to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. cool. Well, I appreciated, uh, you know, I said bringing light to somebody that a lot of people didn't know. And all right. The last one on the list, man, Herbie Hancock, the master of modern jazz. You know, he's been around a long time. He, he has. Played, he's he's played with Miles. He was in Miles's band for for a time. It was interesting listening to some of his stuff. And it was like uh, music that I knew, even though I don't know if I've ever sat down and like listened to one of his full albums or a lot of his stuff, but you just, uh, it just kind of, it's made its way into pop culture. A lot of his music. I, I mean, everybody knows that fucking song that. Everybody knows that fucking song you know, from the eighties. Yeah. But he made so much, much classy music. that's overshadowed. By some goofy song that he made. You play something by him. What do you got on here? You got Cantaloupe Island on here. Yeah. No, I heard this was sampled in something in the nineties too. But here you hearing commercials all the time yeah i was digging how the piano was rising and falling to that kind of behind the uh the trumpet i was digging that i like it yeah herbie's a great piano player man he he touches on all kinds of different kinds of music that might be it dude for for jazz i hope it was you know entertaining for our listeners my thought is or my hope is that people listen to this and they go oh that's cool i want to go learn some more and they go back and you know, dive into this stuff and check out some of these artists like oh i want to go hear some more miles davis or i want to go hear 
you know, any, any one of these dudes, you know, and it's a, there's always the episode playlist and you can use that and jump into discographies and all kinds of other stuff. So yeah, you can go um, down a rabbit hole with anything. You can, Hey man, you can always email us and ask us about, you know, any of these guys. Of course. Yeah. We're always happy to, you know, do share, share, share some insight or point you in a direction of some shit to check out and stuff like that. All right, cool. Uh, let's move on to the back end of the show. I got some second thoughts. I got a couple things. Josh Otten from Hannibal, Missouri. He sent us an email. He said, I've been out there trying to turn on my fellow co-workers about real music, not modern country, not new metal, but the classics. I'm 43 and look forward to hearing your podcast because not only are you guys gifted on classic rock, but you also dig Frank Sinatra as I do. I'd love to have a free sticker if possible. And yes, Kate Bush is terrible. Thank you guys for giving me hope. <laughs> He's um, in the club. He's in the club. Yeah, so uh, I mailed him a sticker and uh, I wrote him a little note and he wrote us back this morning. He said, uh, sir, I got the stickers and the note. Very cool. My seven-year-old put a sticker on her mom's work cup because mommy has terrible taste in music. So we're doing <laughs> our part. Thanks again, you guys. Uh, my seven-year-old and my 12-year-old don't understand Kate Bush either. They like Stranger Things. So, you know, hey, and thanks for the note with the stickers. So, yeah, man. Awesome. I really appreciate you writing in. Oh, yeah, well, I appreciate it. Well, everything, the attention, you know, of course, right yeah. getting, getting emails from people to listen to us and saying like, Hey man, I dig what you're, what you're doing is just uh it makes my day. It makes all yeah. this worth it. And so yeah. Dan, if you, you know, if you got an opinion, you want to shoot us an email, you want to just ask for a sticker. We're happy to mail you some. I still got uh, a bunch of them. I give them out as much as I can. So it's all, I it's do all also good. at the bar. You can always come to McCusker's and get a sticker. There you go. You can always stop in at McCusker's. So we got some feedback from some other podcasts. So the guys over at Phantom Jukebox, they do um they they kind of dive into some stuff. They did a whole thing about the uh I think it was the base of doom disappearing for a while. There's some really right. like yeah, really down the rabbit hole kind of stuff, which I I love that shit. But uh their guy, uh one of those guys, Ty, he left a review on our ep our episode about this rush suck and he said, fun show. I enjoyed the breakdown of rush and respected their position on the music. Yes is a good band, though. Highly recommend this show for music fans and nerds alike. So thanks, dude. Really appreciate it. And Thank then, you very much. I, I, yeah, we are nerds. We I are nerds. It. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Nerd. And then there's a podcast platform called Good Pods. And uh, we've been on their list a couple of times for like music commentary shows to listen to and stuff like that. And they featured uh, the Rock Roulette podcast on there and they asked them to list their four favorite uh, music commentary shows and they picked us as one of them uh, rad. and a little write up they said they're two guys from philly with a podcast that airs every two weeks no topic is off limit they've talked about everything from anthrax to sinatra the history of the blues and punk and johnny cash and the joshua tree cool show so really appreciated the love yeah. good stuff good stuff thank you man yeah all right music news I only got one story, dude, because I feel like that's what it, it deserves to be the only story. And that was Tina Turner dying. Yeah. What an icon she was, man. She was. I said on a couple of people's Facebook pages, she was a rock star in every. Any definition of it, man, just she was. And, you know, every she's sir, she's more than anything. She's a survivor. You know, yeah, she was a, a tough woman to have the stones to walk out of that horrible relationship and the way she did it too. Right. Just like walking out of a hotel and like leaving Ran across him. the way. And yeah. Oh, she didn't have any money in her pocket. And she's like, 
went to the hotel and she's like gave her the license like i'm tina turner you know I, i'll whatever 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 and and the, the hotel manager took mercy on her and gave her a place to stash out until yeah you know. So she get her feet underneath her and uh you know she's in the rock and roll hall of fame twice and she's got a ton of grammys and just uh you know even the um i don't like even the way she she did that documentary kind of as a farewell to her fan like she knew she was yeah. ill and she was she oh was, yeah oh you know she was gonna die soon and kind of just like a farewell and it's just uh i don't know man it's like I, I, classy is the wrong word it was just like it was like she a was. fitting end and she, you know, was, she was very classy she was classy, but she was also incredibly rock and roll. I mean, yeah, fuck that total song rock with, and with roll. the stones and you know, all this other stuff. And uh I just like, I've always had know, a ton of respect for her. I love what she did with Phil Spector, Mountain High. Yeah. You know, that that showed that she was a real, real singer in a time when everybody just thought she was like an RB singer. It wasn't a big hit at the time, but you know, as time goes on. It shows how talented she was. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, if you ever get a chance, watch HBO special, the Tina Turner special. The documentary. Really yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, for the electric chair, the electric chair is where we kill a song for being terrible. And we asked uh, our listener and fan, Jackie from Seattle, if she had a picks. You know, she, she, we read her stuff. Several times she's written in. She mailed us some uh, envelopes. Some ret- she's been a fan since like day one. Really digging. She's given us a long list of ideas too, man. That are still on the list. We're still going to get around to doing that funk episode. And she was suggesting some a bunch of other stuff. But I asked her. I said, "Hey, man, like you you listen to a lot of the same stuff we we listen to. What do you got? You got a song for the electric chair?" So she emailed us this week and she said, "Bruce, yes, I do. Uh, while I've worshipped Led Zeppelin my whole life and will continue to do so." Please fry Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> I don't need to hear that particular song ever again. Thank you. And then she sent me a little, like a little flag that says, like, no stairway to heaven. Um, no stairway. And I wrote her back, man, like, Zeppelin wrote or stole or ripped off a lot of really, really good songs. I never understood how this is like, I don't know. I think they have better songs than this. Yeah, but the, the ending is cool. When it starts to rock out, but it's like it's the drums popping. Yeah, but I get it though, Jackie. I get it, Jackie. The whole beginning, it's cliche, man. It's so played out. It's so I'm I'm over it too. But once it starts rocking, I can't deny it rocks. It won't. We won't get that far because it's eight minutes long. But But I get why she wants to. She wants to set an electric chair. We yeah. asked her. I get it. Yeah, cut it down to like a. I don't know. Give me a. Give me a two minute kick ass song. I don't need this eight minutes. I don't need all this. And this yeah, I just. Happened. I don't know. No, I. I hear you. It's. It's my least favorite Zeppelin song. I guess. Yeah. Just we were growing up. This was like everybody. Like, oh my God, Stairway to Heaven, and it was just oh, all. Yeah. You know, it's just. I. There's just. They've got better stuff. All right. This is. Fucking kill it and get out of here. Yeah. We sentence you to death. Uh, you know, it's a shame. I think it was yesterday or today was John Bottom's birthday. Oh, was it? Oh, well, that's yeah. fitting. Uh, yeah. Today's Ronnie Wood's birthday, too, from the Stones. Yeah. Saw that. 
know. Um, but thanks, Jackie, for sending that in. And, you know, hey, if you're listening to us, and you got a, you got an idea for the electric chair. We'd love to hear it. You know, we're, we can start working some of these in in the rotation. There's a I, I can only take looking for bad music so much. <laughs> so, I will always have an opinion. I will always have something. I have so much hate in my heart for a lot of things. So, you know. Yeah, I, I find that as I'm like, I'm driving around. I, uh, you know, like I hear something on the radio and I'm like, ooh, that one's bad. I got, we got to get that one. That one's got to go in the electric chair. And, or sometimes my kids are listening to something and I'm like, that song's got to go in the electric chair. And then they get all mad. My, uh, my youngest, who is, uh, 15, he always is like, uh, hey, man, can you, uh, uh, what do you put in the electric chair this week? And I play like the clip and most of the time it's something that he likes. So he gets all mad at me. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys, what do you old dudes know about music? Right, right, right. I should actually ask him to kill what he would kill. I have to, I have to ask Probably him that sometime. Something that we love. Yeah, I'm sure Probably it is. Something. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask him next time he um driving him around. Um, but anyway, so that'll do it for episode 65. Thanks so much, man, for joining us as we talked about jazz. You know, we tried to cover almost shit, 100 years of, of music. We covered over 100 years of music. You know, we only play 30 second clips on the show. But you can go hear the full versions and support all these artists by checking out the episode playlist that Ryan put together. There's a link to that in the show notes. And while you're in the show notes, you can go there and you can find links to send us an email. There's links to our website, our social media pages. We're on Twitter and Facebook. We have an Instagram page. We got to do a little bit better job with that. Um, our bunch of our stuff is on YouTube. And you can also go there and find a map to take you to McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia. So if you're ever in town, you want to stop by uh, for a cold beer. And you can also ask for some stickers. Ryan would be happy to hook you up. So. Definitely. That's it. I think we're going to, uh, we're talking about maybe shifting gears over the summer and doing some shorter episodes on whether debating whether or not certain bands suck. So, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to circle up. And I think we, we got a list we've been trading for a couple weeks of, of, uh, you know, some artists we're going to debate and, uh, just try to have a little, little fun with it. And I know our schedules get to be really hectic over the summer. So we'll, uh, you know, looking forward to it. Keep on rocking. Peace out. achieve the American dream. The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. 
In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.